Yo, everyone, so welcome. Um, this has taken me some time to actually get this podcast up and going and actually record it because I've kind of just been anxious about it. I'm, ta- I'm talking about some things that hit pretty deep and in, in, um, pretty hard in my mind. Uh, it's the loss of of some people, some very dear people uh, in my life uh, through suicide. And it uh, writing and prepping for this, I had to stop numerous times to just... I was tearing up and, and it wasn't so much as sadness, but it was... Uh, it was gratitude, and it, but it was a bit overwhelming at points. So we are just going to dive into it, and that's I'm just letting you know where I am at, and, and this this conversation is a hard conversation, and uh, but it it needs to be had. Things things that are hard and, and uneasy and and uh, provoking sometimes really lead to the to the most amount of growth because. <sighs> Sometimes we hear things that we might not agree with, but they get us to question some things or they, they lead us to another point that um, might be helpful to us, even though we are a bit, I don't know, against the thing at the time. Maybe it's in hindsight, we look back and we realize, wow, I'm, I'm glad that was even brought up. So... Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive into it. So news for the day. News for the day. I attended the new High Street Body Shop in Evansburg. It's a it's a new gym. Um, it is a it is amazing out there. They have a lot of great equipment, some rogue stuff. They have everything and anything you could possibly need. They even have an an indoor basketball uh, rim. I thought that was fucking cool. Downstairs is awesome. They have a nice wood floor. Uh, Russ Brumball's shop is there. Uh, that's that's fucking great. Um, a lot of good people I saw there today. Trevor, uh, Scott Holsinger. It was a it was a good good time. Um, really appreciated that. Audie taking me out there, and we had a good shoulder and uh, chest workout. She kicked my fucking ass. Um, she showed me this this. Um, fly where you hold one side of the your weights up and when you do the uh, your other arm with the fly she said rush showed her that and man that kicked my ass man so props to you uh three things that i am grateful for i am grateful for my health and not just physically but also mentally and emotionally in the last couple years i've really taken the bull by the horn so to speak and and fixing some of the the ways and and how I live my life physically and mentally and strengthening those ways through some uneasy uh, processes and and facing some some hard fears and and things that had happened to me. But uh, yeah, thankful for that. I'm thankful for my jobs. Um, Working at Applebee's has given me a lot of stability and structure in my life. And uh, I work with a great group of people. We just had a wedding this weekend, uh, Anna and Brandon. Uh, it was beautiful. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, I, had a, I had a kick-ass time. It was awesome. Uh, I also work as a personal trainer. And um, 
I love it. It is it is so rewarding to see people not only accomplish their physical goals, um, but also their mental goals, because that's really what I believe um, is is the most important. Everything starts with your mind, and if you can conquer um, your fear of going to a gym or your 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 social anxiety on that, your um, hurtful self-doubt or your self-consciousness about your body, like if you can overcome those things and start to really invest in yourself and grow as a person in and out of the gym, I think that's beautiful. It, it, it can transition into your life. You start attacking things better and um, doing life better. So I'm very thankful for my jobs. And the last thing, I'll keep it very simple. I heard this today on a... Um, little podcast I was listening by uh, Lewis Howe, he had Tony Robbins on and he was talking about gratitude, he practices gratitude, he sits in 10 minutes of things that he's grateful for and and one of them he likes to do is something that's very simplistic and for me today, I I had a client this morning, uh, what up Stacy, you're doing great, Um, at 8.30 up at Planet Fitness and mind you, lost my license for a year, so I am subject to the bus system, Uber, and my own two feet. So today, I have been inspired by one of my friends. His name is Steve. I work with him at Applebee's, but I've known him for quite some time through UPJ, um, and now we work together, and Steve is a good, good, good person. He has faced some challenges in his life, and he always seems to kind of just face it with a with a smile. He's one of those friends that, no matter how long you're apart, he is he's right there for you and offering a smile and a and, and he actually he listens and he's a he's a good dude. Well, Steve um, has decided to start walking more, and he lives. I don't. I can butcher this, but I think he lives maybe three miles away from from work, from Applebee's. But he has been walking to work. Um, And last week, I think he did over 100 kilometers. (laughs) And like, you can noticeably see the the change in him. He he uh, he's one definitely thinner, but two, I think he's just happier. He just seems like a happier dude. So this morning, uh, instead of catching the bus or waiting for it or uh, kept calling an Uber, I decided to run home um, from Planet Fitness. Now, thank you, Steve, because you, you fucking inspired me to do that. And this leads me to the, to the third thing that I'm grateful for. The smell of nostalgia. We all know it. We've all been there. Um, so I'm running, and it's 3.8 miles to my house. And I... I don't know what it was, but I was feeling tired today. It's all downhill, which is decent, but it does put a lot of strain on your quads. And I had, uh, I just stopped at Aldi and I picked up some cat food and some beef and some vegetables. So my bag was pretty, pretty decently heavy. And uh, about around mile three (laughs) is when I really started to feel it. Like my, my legs were basically fucking concrete. And I ran past this building. I really don't know what it is, but I, I it's on Ohio Street, and I see it um, every. I pass it all the time, and it's like an old 
uh, I don't want to say antique, but maybe like a novelty shop. I don't, <coughs> I don't know. But then I'm running by and boom, it hit me. You know, that, that smell that transports you back in time that makes you feel safe and unaware and innocent nostalgia. Uh, this For me, it was the smell of, I can't really say anything else, but old, old books. That's how it smelled, old books. And it reminded me of the uh, the bookshop that is right outside of Wimber. My, and my Nana used to uh, take us there when we were kids. It, it just, it hit me and it, it even made me stop running and I was like, all right, maybe this is, maybe this is the, the point where I just walked the rest of the way because my legs were fucking jello. But um, I'm appreciative of nostalgia where it can take you back and, and give you, give you that feeling of, of times where things were, were different and good and, and, uh, but they're not, they're not around now. So I, uh, yeah, I'm definitely grateful for um, nostalgia. So, five things that are around me. Well, I'm sitting at my table in my kitchen, because I was going to do this outside, but it got a little, it got a little cold, it was raining, um, the rain was, was kind of hit, misting onto my books, and I was just like, eh, I guess it's better to move it inside, and I guess I wasn't ready yet to actually do the podcast, because I did record five minutes, but it didn't feel right, so I deleted it. Um, so five things that I can, I'm going to do five things that I can see instead of touch right now. So above my fridge, there is a King Tut statue. And I put that up there when I moved here two years ago, and it's, it was gifted to me by my one of my great friends, Phil. And <laughs> he, King Tut has been a kind of uh, guardian of the kitchen or the, or the downstairs. He stands regal and, and protective above on the, on the, on the fridge, and, and he's looking towards the back door. And in a time when I moved down into here, uh, it was, it's not the best place. You always hear bad things about my area, but, um, I have never faced anything, but I, I put him up there and I told him to guard, I told him to guard my kitchen those two years ago and he hasn't moved much since then. Um, what else do I see? I see, uh, Dose Keys, empty bottle with, uh, <laughs> Curtis, Nathan, Jim, and myself plastered on it. In both ways, plastered in the sense that we were plastered by adhesive to the bottle, but also plastered in the sense that we were pretty inebriated with a miniature, a midget gorilla in Cancun, Mexico when we went there. And that was a beautiful time. Uh, a lot of stories about that that I will share maybe in another podcast on, I don't know what, but that was, that's a fucking, <laughs> that's a great thing. Um... On my fridge, I have on a piece of paper, no more excuses. Stop procrastinating. I like that. Um, it reminds me, as I said, I, I need reminded often. That's why I have so many things painted on my house, tattoos painting on, or tatted on me saying, just keep going, reminding myself and, you know, stay in it. I write that on my hand every morning. So that's three. On the table, there's a grapefruit that I might dive into later. 
uh, I've become very partial to fruits. Um, I like to eat them before I work out and just just like like an orange or a grapefruit. It's just enough to give me enough good sugar to just go through the workout and not feel drained. Um, what else? Dun, dun, dun. I mean, there's many things, but... All right, I have a gallon of water in front of me because, you know, you have to stay hydrated. And that's good. There we are. Ugh. So, today's date is June 10th, 2019. I looked on the Orthodox Christian um, calendar, and it is the Venerable Nicetus. That could be completely wrong, but he was a Christian monk who was... Uh, Guided his brethren by his own example. Very good. He attracted many to the monastery seeking salvation. And he also led by example to get people to become monks like himself. Uh, where there was dwindling numbers, he increased it to a hundred. He had the gifts of wonder working, healing, which is uh, very good. Healed people from all different walks of life and... His leading by example kind of got him into trouble with the authorities because he did not want to succumb to their heathenistic ways or heretic ways, and they imprisoned him. But that did not stop him. Uh, he was starved and faced many tribulations in jail. But it just increased his, it increased his uh, faith in God. And he grew even stronger. And... In turn, he inspired many to do the same. Many prisoners and criminals who were in there um, learned from him. And he encouraged them to have firmness of spirit and helped many people. And it's, that's hard to do sometimes, right? To, to, even when you're facing the lowest of the lows, to stay strong. To stay strong in your faith. It is... Uh, takes a lot of fortitude to, to, to do that. So thank you, St. Nicotus, for your leading by your example. Um, and thank you for this day, June 10th. Now, so um, quote, hmm. The things that have been most valuable to me, I did not learn in school. Will Smith. Now, I wasn't sure if I wanted to use that quote for this, this segue into what I'm about to talk about, but um, I kind of think of it applies. I was going to use it last week, but I ended up finding that Joe Rogan one, which was quite uh, fitting, um, but this one... The things that have been most valuable to me I did not learn in school. Now, that struck me because <laughs> life really has a way of teaching you things, even if it's the, the hard way. And uh, what I, some things I've learned through, through my life is, is how to be strong and how to be patient, how to be understanding, that life can change at the drop of a hat. 
and it's good to be prepared. Now, I learned that it's good to be prepared later in life. Um, life can change at the drop of a hat is the first part of that, and we will get to the second part of it later, but, but life can change at the drop of the hat. And I'm, and I'm speaking on um, an event that happened in my life February 4th, 2007. It was the day that my father committed suicide. And life changed completely for me at that moment. Um, before I share that story, I, I wrote something here. Dad's story, and I underlined it. And, and I, I wrote, I, I love you, Dad. This is to help others. You inspire me to be better. And it's so true. My father has uh, influenced me more now, but him being gone, than he ever did when he was alive. My dad was a great man, and I and I don't just say that because he was my father. He was a great man in, in the in the midst of all of the shit that he had going on in his life. Um, I look back and I remember that he was, he was someone that always worked hard and always went above and beyond, even if it was at the scrutiny of others in, in, in our family. Um, he was a very kind and gentle person, um, even, again, <laughs> at the scrutiny of people in our family. He, he worked extremely hard, and he, uh, he always gave back to people who were in need. Now, up until this point, my father and I did not have the greatest relationship. Basically because I was a fucking spoiled brat. Like, just we'll just cut it and we'll just go straight to it there. I was. I was the firstborn child... Um, I kind of just uh, was doted on by my mother and then my mother's side of the family and, uh, and I, it got to my head. So my father, not being an asshole, tried to lead by example and I just wasn't having it. And I understand that I was a younger, younger person not really understanding the world and, and knowing things, but those are some things I, I do regret with that. I wish I could have acted better and saw my father for who he was and not what others perceived him to be and had influence on me. Um, he was consistently pushing me to be better, <laughs> like 100%. Like I, I, I remember all the times we were working out and like as a kid, well, he'd want to work out. He worked out all the time. He was, he was a very in shape man. And, uh, I hated it. I hated working out. That's some things that like people don't realize. Like I, I hated working out. I never wanted to do it. I thought it was stupid, and in and, and honestly, in uh, it took to go into college to to really get get into lifting because I got my ass kicked. <laughs> uh. I wish I would have did it earlier. And he, he was always pushing me to do that and always pushing me to, to act kind. I had a mouth on me. Um, and he, he would always tell me, you know, someday uh, you're going to mouth off to the wrong person and they're going to they're gonna get you. 
And you know what, Dad, that has happened. <laughs> that has happened numerous times. You were you were right. Um, but anyway, uh, we didn't have the best relationship. But as I went to college, and I wasn't around him as much, I did start to grow as an individual. When I when I left for, for school, and coming from Wimber, it's a small town, like. And if you're good at football, it's like you're pretty it's you're skating on through like nothing really is is uh, is going to be in your way because you're too valuable to let anything get fucked up, which is kind of fucked up. But that's exactly how it was. And uh, I remember my trip down to Shippensburg. My mom and dad were taking me and I will never forget this. Uh, excitement, you know, I'm excited to go play football, and we're going, it's like a two-hour drive almost, and an hour's there, until I'm there, and nerves start to start coming in, you know, like, I'm a big fish in a little pond here in Wimber, what's gonna happen down here at Chippensburg? Uh, you know, 30 minutes comes, I'm nervous as shit, <laughs> and we pull in, I remember fucking seeing AJ, 6'5", jacked out of his mind black dude with dreads and I'm like yep I'm gonna fucking die here <laughs> holy shit I was like huh oh, I I don't know if I'm ready for this level of uh this 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 level of uh competition so we get there and I remember sitting in the car and I I, I was like don't make me go I don't want to go my mom started crying she couldn't say anything and it was my dad who was like, Josh, you're going to regret this if you don't do it. All my insecurities were flooding into my head. I was so nervous. I didn't think I could do it. And he was like, you got to get out of the car, buddy. And he always, he always, they, they, call, they always call me buddy. And um, he walked around and he opened the door and I got out. And it was one of the hardest things I did. But I got through it. And I don't know... I guarantee you my mother probably would have been like, okay, let's okay, let's leave. But dad made me go, and I, I thank you for that, dad. Thank you. Thank you for doing that, because that, was, um, that pushed me. That pushed me a lot to find myself and to realize, hey, man, now it's time to actually start working. You got to work for what, for what you need. It's not just going to be handed to you or you want. It's not going to be handed to you, so... That was a big lesson for me in my life, and um, I made the team. I made it through cuts. It was scary, but I made it, and my mom and dad came down to every game, home game we had, but I didn't, I was redshirted freshman. There was only like some, like three freshmen that, that made the team to play, play, so I was there, practiced, but um, didn't play. It was a good learning experience, but they were always there. They always came, and they, they watched, and I really, I really appreciate that, and my father had a job that he was off on Fridays. So if I if there was a away game, I would want to come home and see my friends because I was <clears throat> a little homesick. But, you know, I was having a good time in college. But still, you're not really out. You haven't sh shaken it off yet. And a lot of my friends didn't leave to go to other schools. They were at UPJ. So um, yeah, I was coming home a lot. And my dad would pick me up every time uh, to pick me to take me home. Mm -hmm. 
and we developed a, f a friendship that we really never had, uh, except when I was like younger. But now it was kind of growing into something that I will always remember that those last those last four months. Um, he would pick me up regardless, and he would drive those two hours and drive those two hours back, and we started to started to develop a really good friendship. We would have um, competitions on who could name, and I've said this before, but it, it just sticks in my mind, who could name the band in the, uh, in the song before the other person. And most of the time, like, he would put it on the 80s rock station, and he knew it all because he, he grew up in that time. But I, I got better, and it, my appreciation for that is, is strong. 80s rock, it's a, I love it. Um, 80s and 70s, for sure. So... I remember even a time calling him just to talk with him, just to talk with him on the phone. And I told him I loved, I loved him the one day. And he's like, you guys, don't tell your mother. She's going to think something's up. Because I, I, it was like that. We would fight all the time. And <sighs> I was always challenging him, always challenging him. So anyway, um, my mother got sick. My grandmother and my mother got, got very sick in the fall of that year. My grandma was first and um, my mom was second. She was in the hospital a lot in the ICU. We almost lost her. And I think it, it really started to push my father over the edge. I remember coming home sometimes and, and, and seeing him though. He was yeah, my father was a very big OCD guy, liked to keep the house clean. And me and my sisters were consistently eating in the living room and leaving dishes, which is, it's not good on our part, but he would, he would be, it would, it would drive him nuts. And some things that like, little things just would, would drive this man uh, more overly angry than, than maybe was necessary. But I do not know exactly what was going on through his mind what he was at, what he was dealing with like i was very oblivious to the workings of my parents in that regard like their mental state like i didn't even think about that at 18 years old and that's another reason why i want to talk about this stuff is like <laughs> your parents if if you know whoever's listening to this like your parents are people too and they might be going through things and they you might be young and they are just trying to be your parents and try to act like they have all the answers and maybe you're there you're their only kid and this is the first time they're doing this or what have you and or you're there's more than you and there, there's never really like experience prior so give your parents some some slack and then check in with them too um you don't know what's going on. So I remember telling my mother his, his behavior was going, was becoming a little bit more erratic. I, I realized that um, being away kind of gave me the opportunity to see it a little bit more drastically because if you're away from something and then you see that you come in and the behavior is worse than it was when you were used to it living there you see it more and I, I guess that's kind of like what I saw and um I guess they were dealing with it he had gone to see a, a counselor and they put him on some sort of 
I don't remember what antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication it was because when all these mm -hmm. things were coming to light, I did not want to listen and, and didn't care. I was mad at the world. But um, so my mother, we almost lost my mother in January over break when I was there. And um, I decided I wanted to transfer schools and be closer to home and be with my buddy Grant, who was at St. Vincent. And uh, they were starting the program, and it just—I just wanted—I just wanted to leave, and so ended up not being able to transfer that semester. Had to do another semester at Chippensburg, but I already gave up my housing, so my me and my dad went and took me down. I had moved rooms, and it was just a whole ordeal. And I remember it was like the third week of school. I got invited out to. Um, I had made some, some friends in the dorm, uh, and I got invited out, well, to like this football party on, was it Friday? No, 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 no. I had, okay, excuse me. I had, my, my cousin, Nick, lived down there, and I had spent so much time with him. And you know what? Shout out to, to, to Nick, because this is actually a vital part of this story. Nick is uh, 25 years, or 25, five years older than me. And so he lived in Chambersburg, saw my father uh, as, as his uncle. He's my, my mom's sister's son. And he related, we'd have some conversations at night over some, some beers uh, at his apartment how he felt that bad for my dad and how hard my dad worked and how little the kids, kids listened to him and, and a bunch of, 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 of things that I needed to hear and I needed to hear it from my cousin who I admired and looked up to, you know, uh, because I had a, I had a problem with authority and, and, and Nick was a, as a, was a good figure for me to hear it. So it also started to develop appreciation for my father and understanding that I was building, which was, it was really cool. But, um, yeah. but I was spending the night at his house uh, and Katie, uh, actually had come with us. And prior, we, me and Nick and Sasha, Nick's, uh, wife at the time, we drove up back to Wimber to pick Katie up to come down and spend the weekend with us. Now, when we get there, it was Friday, like 5 o'clock on a Friday. And dad was, dad was more distant than usual. He didn't even sit down at the table. He was anxious. And I guess I didn't really understand what anxiety even was at that point. But looking back now, like you could tell he was just so anxious. Like we, they had pizza for us and it was nice, but the conversation was, was trying. I remember the last words uh, I spoke to him was about a coat uh, returning and he said, I couldn't return it. And I said, yes, I can and slammed the door and left because it was just, things were weird. Things were weird and I, I don't know. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with it. So we drive down, spend the night at Nick's and uh, had a good time with my sister Katie. It was great bonding. And then the next day, we're all hanging out. And you know, I spent the majority of the day there. My mother calls and is like, do you, you ever hear from your dad or anything? I'm like, what do you mean? 
He's like, oh, he's been gone. I didn't know if you, uh, if he said anything to you or anything. His, 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 all his stuff's still here. His wallet's here, and the cars are still here. And mind you, my dad, like, would walk a lot. So I didn't really think anything of it. I, th- I thought he might have just been walking or helping someone because on the weekends, usually he would, he would help the old ladies at our church with, like, their yard work or something. But um, so the day went on, and I didn't really think about it. Well, my mother calls whew, at night, maybe not at night, maybe around 6 o'clock, and he had been missing for... Almost eight hours at this point. Now, it was very unlikely for him to ever do anything to be gone that long, especially my mom, who is, who is such a, just a precious little soul. She'd be worried sick. And at this point, I got fucking mad because she's crying on the phone to me, and I can hear, I can hear how worried she is. And my mom was a very... My mom meant very much to me. I didn't like when people hurt her. And uh, my dad was doing that right now, regardless of if he meant to or not. And it, 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 it made me mad. So we were all hanging out at, at Nick's, and um, <clears throat> about an hour and a half goes by, and... She calls back, Dad's Dad's home, everything's okay. Uh, he said he'd never leave us and everything's fine. I'm like, where was he? What was he doing? And she said, oh, he, he, he said he was praying. I guess, I guess, um, I guess he went out in the woods with a gun and to, to do, to, to end his life. But he was praying and I, and I guess... He came back. I, being emotionally charged in anger, told her to take him to the hospital. Take him to the hospital, I said. This is, this is not good. No, this is not good. We, we got to fix this. And she's like, no, Josh, everything's okay. He, he said he'd never leave us. He said he would, he, he, he's always going to be here. And, and uh, my, my sister talked to him. And then he asked to talk to me. And I said no. I said no because I was mad at him. And I'm sorry for it. I'm sorry every day for it. Those are, that is something that um, has been a big thing in my life is that moment when I couldn't talk to him. She told me he put his head down and, and uh, that fucking kills me. I think about that and I wish I could go back and I wish I could change it. I wish I could change it so much. I don't live there often. But when I get talking about it, this is something that it's very hard for me. And that's <laughs> and that's it's another part of the reason why I talk about this because it's like you can't act in anger. 
my father was dealing with some things that were hurting him very bad and he he did not know what he was doing to the effect of what it would do to his family and and maybe he just needed to hear the love of his son you know maybe there's there's some people in your life that just need to to know you're there and know that you support him and love him and that's why I say that's why I fucking I'm t- telling this story right now it's fucking hard man it's hard to talk about this it's hard beat myself up a lot for this. So, I left. I was mad. I remember telling my mother so many times, take him to the hospital. And, what do I do when I get mad? I went, I went searching for a party. I went out back then. Uh, I went to... I went to my first fraternity party and partied it up all night. Instead of being there and trying to fix the situation. Never in a million years did I think my dad would ever kill himself. Never thought, that, that, that thought never crossed my mind. Even when he was walking, I thought he just had to work some things out and never even that thought suicide never crossed my mind never did so went out whatever woke up the next morning and and I was eating fruit loops with my my roommate and our friends and my aunt texted me and said hey what's up what are you doing your dad's missing again we got to come find you we're going to go look at him to find him together and i was just like fuck but a bit of me knew. So my cousin Gretchen picked me up and picked me up at Shippensburg and drove, we drove to Aunt Lori's house, which was about 25 minutes away. And mind you, she knew already and had, she was, she was great at not, not letting it slip. We, uh, Pulled into the house and I'm just like, all right, like what's let's go, like let's go do this. And um, she told me I might want to sit down. She told me my father committed suicide that morning. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't fucking believe it I immediately ran out of the house punched the ground a million times Katie came out I couldn't even look at her I couldn't even talk to her what happens now what happens now Me and my sister had a ride the two hours back to my house. Text messages were flooding into my phone. If you need anything, let me know. I'm here for you. I'm so sorry. I get to my house. There's a million people there. I walk in, barge through everyone. I see my fucking mom. She's just 
sitting on the couch. <laughs> She's just sitting on the couch. First thing she said, my love is gone. That was a fucking hard day. That was a fucking hard day. And my life changed. Our lives changed. Our lives changed forever. Things, love, the love of the family, the love of your father, love of, it changed. It, it, everything, everything changed. And with the death of my father, I became a monster, even more so than I already was. But someone who did not deal with his pain, and but acted like he was he he was fine. I was embarrassed too. I mean, I was embarrassed that that I'm now I'm the kid whose dad committed suicide. I don't feel that way anymore. But as an 18-year-old man and an 18 and 19-year-old man in a very small town where whispers turn into gossip and gossip turn into rumor and everything is whatever, it was very challenging. I didn't know where, where to turn or what to do. And the thing that I turned to was alcohol. I used alcohol to cope with the, with the pain and the guilt that I felt for my father's suicide. I was so mad for so long. Got into so many fights. <laughs> Got thrown out of so many places, embarrassed myself so fucking much. And you know why? It was because of pain. Pain that I had locked inside and didn't deal with. I wrote some things down, down that if someone was interviewing me, maybe they would ask these questions. What did it do to you? Well, fuck. It made me question a lot of things. Like, I never thought that my dad would do that, so it floored me. It was very difficult. Um... Obviously, I coped with alcohol and went down a path that was just far away from every, any growth. And it's just deteriorating who I was and, and hurting people along the way and embarrassing myself. Um, is it hard now without a father? Fuck yeah, it's hard now without a father. Like, I have so many questions that you really, I probably take would have took for granted if I did have a dad, but like, with everything, with with girls, with with uh, how to run a house, like set cars, stuff. Like I wish, I wish I could just call up my old man and and we could do that. Anything that you do with your father, I, I miss. It's hard, and it's hard to become a man without the guidance of a man, your father. Been doing it all on my own since I've been 18, and I'm getting there. <laughs> a lot of trial and error, but 
I'm getting there. <laughs> and what would you say to him now? I would tell him I love him. I would tell him I loved him. I love him. And that I wish I was a better son. That I was... That I wish I was more understanding. And, uh... But I would also tell him... That those are things that... Being a better son that I cannot... I cannot go back in time. And you know... Another thing I've learned is that you cannot live in the past and you cannot harbor and, and carry the, the regrets of the past. So I choose to live, Dad, in, in a way that would make you proud. I try to not be that dickhead kid anymore. I try to act in compassion. I try to be giving and kinder and understanding. Because I wasn't those when you were around. What would you tell your 18-year-old self? I would tell my 18-year-old self that your father has sacrificed a lot for you to get to be where you are in your life and to have the luxuries and the things that you do have. Be a fucking appreciative. Work harder. Listen to him. He's a good man. He might not have all the answers because he's human too, but he's working hard and he's putting food on the table and then some. And he's getting the short end of the stick. So level up, motherfucker. <laughs> That's what I would tell my 18-year-old my self. <sighs> I'm adding this section to this podcast because I think I need to, to say this. Any of you who have experienced suicide in your life that someone meaningful to you left left you way too early you're not alone i know the world seems like it's it's closing in on you and how can you possibly go on and how could that person do that and why and where and it's very hard and it's very heavy and you're going to have a lot of pain but i implore you to to just to Remember that person in love. Live your life in a way that would make them happy and proud. And I am an example over here of someone who has dealt with things and I tell you, the pain is there, the hurt is there. But when you, when you can kind of change it, to gratitude for that person, to even be having that person in your life for as long as you did. It gets better. It gets a little easier. Days seem a little brighter and the world seems a little, a little better. And then it starts to seem a lot better. And then you start to grow and you start to heal and you, you start to help others. But you always remember the ones that you lost, especially to suicide. It's... It's a very hard and hurtful thing, and if you're in it right now, if you're living it, even if it's very fresh, I'm here to tell you, stay strong, stay true and trust, have faith, and believe.
I love you. So I have another um, event that happened to me with the dealing of suicide, and it was one of my best friends who committed suicide uh, June 4th, 2012. This was five years after my father, and um, I'm not going to go into specific detail of what had happened, but I'm going to give you the background story of who this person was. Brian was one of the greatest individuals I have ever met in my entire life. This guy would make you laugh in the first five minutes. He could tell if you were uncomfortable. He'd bring you into the fucking circle. He'd give you anything you need. You need a beer, you need a drink, whatever. That guy wanted to make you feel included, wanted to make you feel loved, and he did it so much and so effortlessly. He was great at it. So many people loved him. So many people would talk about him. His energy was through the fucking roof. He, uh, he was a great man. He was also a Purple Heart veteran of Iraq. He had seen and done things that for most people would, would be ugh, undescribable. But he carried himself with, with honor. And he carried himself with strength. And he led by example so many times. He brought me into the family and the Brotherhood of Delta Chi fraternity in in the fall of 2011. Even when I really didn't want to, he he pushed me to, to join. And it was one of the greatest things I did because at this time I had lost the majority of my family and I was searching for one. And uh, I think he sensed that in me. He saw, he sensed that I was, I was a bit lost in my life, and this kind of gave me some structure in the, in in the family that, in a family that I had lost. Thank you for that, Brian. Thank you for that so much, man. I, you helped and you saved and you guided me a lot in my life, and uh, I'm, I'm where I am today. A lot, a lot because of you. Um, one thing about Brian is that his, he carried his pain too. Being six foot five, 240 pounds, that guy could have probably carried a lot of things very easily and in some cases he did there was a there was a moment when he he comes out of his dorm we're meeting at 7 a.m to go down to the to the gym to to work out and he's carrying this fucking chain around his neck and mind you it wasn't a chain uh like a bike chain it was a fucking like tractor chain and it it had to weigh at least 50 to, to to 60 65 pounds this motherfucker's running with it on the treadmill. <laughs> oh, dude, he, he pushed it. He pushed it to the limit. And uh, he just laugh and goof around about it. He, he made you feel fucking comfortable. He was, he was a great guy. But um, he also carried a lot of pain. A lot of the, that pain showed, showed out when he was, he was drinking. And as it does, right? Like, 
when you drink, you can't really hide the things that are that are painful inside. They tend to creep out and cause cause problems, whether that's being aggressive or fighting or, or what have you. But in some of the times when Brian was a little bit too drunk, some of that pain come, came out. And we witnessed someone that, that wasn't the person that we knew. And uh, it was a bit scary. You know, it was a bit scary to, to see that. And in, in talking with him... Sometimes about that, he was very good at, you know, pushing his side and, and saying he's got it under control, and we believed him. We believed him, because how could this person, how could this person, who is accomplished so much and has the hearts of so many, ever be, be struggling to, to not handle something that's going on inside? And I think that's a, that's a true testament to, to a lot of the, how we deal with people nowadays that, that seem like they have all their shit together. You don't know what's going on inside. They could be the, the most happiest, outright, upfront, great, helpful person, but inside they're, they're fighting some fucking battles with some demons and some of, the, some of the time they're fucking losing. But they don't want anyone else to know because they think that their troubles are insignificant or they don't want to burden anyone else. <sighs> Something to really think about because one of the strongest men I've ever met in my life ended up taking his own. And that day will be etched in my mind forever because I was there. He left so quick and He's been, his, his, his legacy and his impact has, has continued to this day. It's one that was lo lost and gone way too soon. The amount of people that, that he touched in his life was incredible. People from all over. No one had a bad thing to say about him. One of the things that sticks with me and obviously today is the 10th of June and six days ago was his anniversary. It was uh, seven years since he's been here and it's incredible because it seems like just yesterday that happened and man, we have a tradition at, uh, in Delta Chi where it's called Pass the Candle and it's for graduating seniors to... Um, the underclassmen share a memory or share something with them that uh, to going off into the world and then they get to share something back to, 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 the, to the underclassmen. And, and when Brian came to me and what he said to me has stuck with me for, for the past seven years. And he goes, and this is in front of everyone, I know you carry around a lot of pain from what you've been through. But instead of but instead of focusing on it and letting it hold you back, use it to help other people. I know you will. Those are the most important words that man ever said to me. And I think about them all the time. 
I miss that, man. He saw me as a person who fucked up a lot, but he didn't care. He didn't judge me off my past. He accepted and he accepted me and and knew that that maybe I just needed a friend. And I did. I did need a friend. And he was that friend. I know you carry around a lot of pain from what it, what you've been through, but instead of holding on to it and letting it hold you back, use it to help other people. I know you will. Brian, I love you, man. And thank you for instilling that in me. Thank you for being the person that I needed at that time in my life. I know you struggle with some things that I might not ever even come to know and understand. And all I wish is that you are at peace right now in your life. It really brings me to the other side of the coin. When you see people, suicide doesn't know. <laughs> suicide doesn't knows no bounds of types of people, right? And in, in their outward appearance. Some because most times you can see people when they're depressed and anxious, right? They're kind of hunched over, or anxious people are fidgety, or they they're in their head and the, 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 whatever. But then in the cases like Brian. Stand up tall with their shoulders back, big smile on, willing to help anyone at the drop of a hat, uh, accomplished, successful, moving forward, many friends, good athlete. Ends his life. Why has been a big question in my life for the people that I've lost. Why? What could I have done? Where can I help? What should I have done? Questions that I seek to answer, not because I, I live in the, in the past, it's, it's because it's, it's, it's the answers to those questions could potentially help someone else in, in another situation. Suicide has no face, but it hurts many. Hurts so many. It changes life at the drop of a hat. And the second part of that is kind of what I want to talk about now. And it's good to be prepared. Now, if you want to be happy, so I know I jumped to it. If you want to be happy, I was about to read a quote, but I don't know if it's time yet. But it's good to be prepared. And, and, and that is another thing that I've been really pushing a lot is, is prevention and preparation um, in these sorts of situations. You know, if you are, if you as an individual are prepared and prepared for what life is going to throw at you, but, 
But and, and how do you prepare for that? Well, conversation, the conversation we're having right now, the stories that we're being that are being told, um, the conversations of understanding inclusion of people and understanding people, having an open mind, being kind, being compassionate, listening to people, actively listening, um, is a huge thing. Sometimes we get so so caught up with. Uh, Wanting to, sh to talk. That when sometimes people just need someone to listen. That's all they need. Is, is, is someone to listen in, in, in the help of uh, helping and healing their, their, mental, their mental state at that moment. Um, and being prepared for what life is going to throw at you. Understanding that life will throw stuff at you. And that... You will be ready for it in the sense that you are not so emotionally novice that you crumble in front of it. Your mind is like a muscle. Just as you build your muscles in the gym, if you'd go to the gym, um, your mind is the same. The harder the workout, the more your muscles get worked. And the more you build them, the harder the workout you can take. Just like emotional stress. Just like anything that is, is, is coming into your life situational that tests you and provokes you and puts stress on you. The better prepared you are by realizing or, and taking steps to, to fortify yourself is a good thing. And what, what, what steps is that? Well, there was plenty, 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 plenty of information. Oh, it's getting late. Information online. Meditation is a great thing to fortify and understand yourself. And, and having the conversation with yourself. Who do you want to be? What do you want to do? And this, I guess, kind of pushes me into... This quote I was going to read, it's by Tony Robbins. If you want to be happy, it's one word, progress. If you can progress, and if your progress is not only in yourself, but it's actually doing something of value for more than yourself, you're going to be a damn fulfilled person. Because a lot of the times, too, it's hard, right? Sometimes life is shitty. And if you're not really out there progressing and getting after it, you're adding to the shittiness of your life. And then if you're not really out there getting after it, and then you're and then and if maybe you are, but you're not really helping others do the same, then ah then you're missing that. I found in in these ways in in and in this life that <clears throat> giving is 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 one of the biggest things that gives back to you. And whether that be what have you, information, leading by example, being that person for someone, being just a listener. Giving back is, um, there's a spectrum and there's a, there is a, a plethora of ways to do that. Now, if you have made it this far in the podcast, we've talked about some, some pretty deep stories and I, I shared shared two of them that were very meaningful to me this 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 topic is is something that has propelled me into the life that I have now and in in the way uh in the wanting to speak out on these issues and 
things I've learned and in, in, in the way it has affected me. Suicide is something that is not... <clears throat> Suicide is not going to go away by not talking about it. The time for dusting it and pushing it under the rug is no more. The time for not talking about our mental health and not feeling comfortable enough to have these conversations is gone. And it's on us to, to really encourage that and push that in, in our culture. Uh, and, and not saying people don't, but anyone listening here, it, it starts with all of us. Checking in on your friends, the ones that are distant, the ones that are sad, but also the ones that are very happy and the ones that are always giving. And check in on yourself. Remember that you are not alone as well and that these emotions of up and down, left and right are normal, but we don't stay there. You got to believe in yourself and you got to believe in your vision. And do not ever feel ashamed to reach out, especially when you're, when you're feeling like the world is collapsing around you and you, you can't see the light. You got to stay in it. Be strong and smile often. Help others and help yourself. Thank you for listening this far. I really appreciate that. But now you have some homework. I would like for you to talk to three strangers. Talk to three strangers in your world. And they, they could be people that you've seen here and there. And if they are people that you consistently see, talk to them. There is a reason why you're, you are consistently seeing them. Uh, the world is putting them in your path for you to have the conversation. And usually... When you have the conversation, you're like, aha, right? So I want you to talk to three strangers by next Sunday. And a lot of segues that are very easy to, to, to get into this is, is compliment. Compliment on something maybe they're wearing, how they acted. Um, help them in any way. If they're, having, if they're elderly and they're having trouble getting downstairs or, or whatever, offer a helping hand. Acknowledge, acknowledge their good behavior and um, have, it, have it start that way. I hope you are noticing the changes in the world. They are coming. Information is, information is ever in our fingertips, but it's also transitioning into the world of in everyday life. These conversations that we're having right now, the, the, and the opportunity to even share what I am doing, is evidence that things are coming and things are good. We have a lot of problems in the world, of course, but things like this, conversations like these, and the awareness level of people really, truly out there and advocating for mental health is a beautiful thing. Buy into it. Live it each day in your own life. Have that conversation with that person that you've been kind of holding out on. Have that conversation with your fucking dad. Even if he pisses you off or your mom where you just don't seem to get see eye to eye. Have that conversation. 
be the bigger person. Because it might be the conversation that sets things apart and sets things to where they should be and sets them back on the path, right? It's on us. It's on us to rise up. It's on us to be the example. Thank you to all who have been listening. Appreciate and love you. Keep working hard. Keep, keep growing. The direction is progression. See you next week.